Welcome to the Urban Shepherds Podcast. We are a community of urban Christian pastors and leaders serving together to advance God's kingdom. This podcast is for men and women interested in being encouraged by lectionary teachings, inspirational stories, and a fellowship of urban believers. The Urban Shepherds Podcast Hour will include four brief scripture insights on each assigned weekly lectionary Bible text to help you understand God's Word, or if you're teaching on the text, it can help you prepare for the week's sermon. These studies are provided by Christian leaders from around the country. We'll also include some amazing testimonies, great ministry highlights, and interviews with people advancing God's kingdom in the city. Listen every week as we grow together as a movement of God's people. I am excited for our first episode, Advent Week One, The Coming of Christ. Our lectionary topic is anticipation, and we're going to hear from some great speakers and teachers from all over the country. Our Old Testament is going to be brought to you by Clark Boatwright. Our Psalm today is going to be by Reverend Ryan Carter. Our New Testament will be by Pastor Sean Estrada. And our Gospel text will be from uh, Reverend Ted Smith. Oh, I can't wait for you also to be introduced to one of our newest Christ the Victor churches, Les and Margaret Taylor of Mosaic Life Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. So let's get started. Let's pray. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light as we remember how your Son, Jesus Christ, came to us in great humility that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, let's get right to it, and let's hear from Pastor Clark Boatwright. The first reading for this first Sunday of Advent is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So as we're beginning the season of Advent, I'm going to say that I think that this this season might capture the Christian life more than any other um, any other in the year for the church. Uh, and this this time of year is the days grow shorter, they get darker, um, depression starts to sink in for those of us who need sunlight so badly. Um, it's it's fitting to remember that we are an advent people and what I mean by that is that we are a people in the church that live in this tension of looking back at the first coming of Christ while also looking forward to his second coming, right? We anticipate the season of Christmas. We look back at the first coming of Christ um, 
with lots of eagerness. Everyone's excited about Christmas, but we anticipate even more and we are even more looking forward to his second coming, right? And so we have this week's Old Testament passage from Isaiah and we get this glimpse of of the nation of Israel and, and anticipating what God is going to do. What's God going to do? It shall come to pass in the latter days, writes the prophet. This is a promise. It shall come to pass. Things that will happen, not things that might. So what is it that Isaiah is promising the people of Israel? He declares a future in which Yahweh is properly enthroned. He's on the highest mountain. It's a time when all nations, all nations will come to the Lord for teaching and instruction. Uh, and lastly, we hear these beautiful words of a future peace where, where this is a famous saying where swords and spears are going to be um, traded in, turned into farm tools and, and it's beautiful and it's lovely and it also seems as far-fetched in our day and age as it was 3,000 years ago um, to the people of Judea, right? They lived in this, in this time where Assyria was the giant superpower. They were, a, Assyria was this brutal, violent, vicious, um, bloodthirsty empire that just absolutely tore up everybody in their path, um, did terrible things to the prisoners and the people that they conquered. And they are coming bearing down on Israel and Judah right at this time that Isaiah is writing and prophesying. So how can the Lord right to the Israelites, how is he being, how can we say he's going to be exalted when our nation is so weak in compare, comparison to the nations around us? And not only, not only is Israel weak, but its own people are not following the Lord's instruction, right? I reared children and brought them up. They have rebelled against me. The Lord says right at the start of Isaiah in chapter one, verse two. And, and, and then not just that, but it's just this, if you, if you have read a few chapters, of the old Testament in the, in Samuel or the Kings or Chronicles or prophets, you're going to see that, that, Violence was constant. Uh, war was constant. Threats was constant. Um, a day when the nations would learn war no more, that seems about as impossible as, as all of our nations today getting rid of their militaries, right? Which seems, that seems ridiculous. So we live in, in the same tension that the Israelites did during the time of Isaiah. Um, this, this tension where we have God's word, we have his promises that are beautiful and holy and just amazing vision of what is going to come. And then we look up from the page and we stare out at a world that looks completely different from what God says it's going to be like. And, and we wait and we groan inwardly for something, something to change. We need something to change. So what does God say will change? Um, what is going to be reversed? Um, one, one is he says that he will be worshipped by all the nations. All the nations shall stream to the Lord's house. This seemed crazy back then, but one way or another, God says he will be worshiped. He will be praised throughout the nations. There will be a day when all will sing how great is our God, how great thou art. 
not only to worship, but, but the but people are going to receive instruction. They're going to walk in his ways. They're going to obey the Lord, right? They're going to worship and obey. Isaiah says one day there will be a time when we will all worship and obey as he properly deserves. And this is a promise that we we already see in part beginning in Acts when the gospel goes out from Jerusalem to the nations to today where we see brothers and sisters from all over the globe um, worshiping the true God, praying, praising him, um, doing his work, doing kingdom work throughout the world and their local um, congregations. So, so today we taste partially in our local assemblies, what we know someday is going to come in full, right? Even, even though it's just a little foretaste that we have now, we know that God will be worshiped properly by all the nations. And then secondly, there's going to be this cosmic revolutionary reconciliation that is going to come. Reconciliation between God and humans, between fellow humans, between mankind, between people and the creation itself. Throughout Isaiah and, and, and the Old Testament, there's this promise of a future, um, like a new heavens and new earth where all things are made right and pain and death are no more. I mean, this is spoken of in Revelations 21 as well. And of course, those of us who are in Christ here in, the, in his church, we have experienced this divine reconciliation through the victory of Christ because God has decided that through him, through Christ, he's going to reconcile all things, um, whether on earth or in heaven, he's going to make peace by the blood of the cross, as Paul puts so well in Colossians chapter one, verse 20. So we've experienced this reconciliation, even though it's just partial and sin and death still rage um, in our world, but we've gotten this partial taste, but we still long for this full uh, coming of the promises and the kingdom of God. So so what do we do as we await a second coming of Christ, as we await all these wondrous promises where God will be worshipped rightly, where there will be reconciliation between God and, and man and man and mankind? And we wait. What do we, what do, we do while we wait? What does it look like to anticipate? Well... Let me tell you what what we do a really good job of anticipating is Christmas, right? We anticipate Christmas really well by by getting the Christmas presents bought. We we start the songs early. We're singing Christmas songs. We're eating Christmas cookies. We're making sure we've got all the decorations hung up. You know, we've got the right smelling candles out and everything. I mean, we do a good job of making it seem like it's Christmas before it's actually Christmas, right? And, and we do all this because we know for a fact Christmas will come. <laughs> it will it will be great. So let's stretch it out. Let's, let's, we are every year. It seems like we celebrate Christmas a little bit earlier because it's so amazing. And, and as a church, I think let, let's anticipate the return of Christ in the same way. Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives, says Jesus in the gospel reading today from Matthew. What I mean by anticipate um, in the same way, what I mean by the master finding us at work is acting like, this, like the kingdom has come in full 
in our, in our, in our lives today. The church is the representation of the coming kingdom of God. So we do exactly what Isaiah speaks of in these verses. We worship him as he ought to be worshiped. We obey him as he ought to be obeyed. And we reconcile with others as, as, as Christ has reconciled us to God. Worship, obedience, reconciliation, these all are pointers towards what the true future is going to look like when we do these things, when we worship and obey and reconcile with our brothers and sisters. Um, we, we point to what the f- true future is going to look like. And our cities don't know that. They're going to have to look at it, at us and, and, and demand explanation for it. And we can proclaim through our words and our lives that this is what it's going to be like when Christ returns. And so that is why we, we live this way now. We have hope. We in, even in the dark times, we have this hope that God will be worshiped. He will be obeyed and all things will be reconciled. The days are getting darker. The sun's going down earlier, but let us remember that Christ is the one who brings light. He is the light of the world. So in the words of Isaiah, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Clark. What a fantastic insight into Isaiah. All right, let's get ready for Reverend Ryan Carter, Psalms 122. Greetings, friends. This is Reverend Ryan Carter in Wichita, Kansas. I'm coming to you on the first week of Advent here to talk about Psalm 122. Psalm 122 has a special place in my heart. The first church that I served at in ministry was this little urban church in Houston called Rose of Sharon Missionary Baptist Church. And every Sunday, the pastor would get up and open the service with this psalm. I mean, we would sing a song and he'd, he'd get up and say, I was glad when they said unto me. And the congregation would repeat back each line of the psalm. Let us go to the house of the Lord. Uh, so every time I hear this psalm, I think of Rose of Sharon Missionary Baptist Church in Houston. Um, and I just, I, I love that, that memory. I want to talk about this psalm though. The theme of this Advent week one is anticipation. And this really is a psalm of anticipation. It's a psalm that looks forward to uh, what God is going to do in the future. I'm going to go ahead and read the text and then I'll, um, I'll talk about the original situation, the principles. I think this text has for all of God's people and then um, just how we would apply it. Uh, Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem built as a city, which is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So Psalm 122 is 
uh, in a group of psalms from 120 to 134 called uh, the Psalms of Ascent or um, the uh, Pilgrim Psalms. Uh, they originally <clears throat> were used by Israel as they gathered um the three times a year for the annual feasts. So three times a year, um, all Israelite men were required to appear in Jerusalem uh, for the feast of um, tabernacles for uh, Passover and for um, the feast of trumpets, I believe. But um, this setting of this Psalm of these Psalms of ascent is pilgrims coming from all over Israel and arriving in Jerusalem. And you can just see people uh, singing this as they, they sort of come together and they arrive in the city. You have all of these pilgrims that have come from all over and they say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So it's, it's time for them to gather at the house of the Lord to celebrate uh, their history um, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. It's sort of saying we're we're all here. We're we're all here and ready to go. We're ready to celebrate what God has done. Jerusalem is built as a city which is bound firmly together. Um, it's it's almost like they're saying this. We are packed in here. We are absolutely uh, jam packed. To, to celebrate uh, what God has done, to remember what God has done, um, and to look forward to what he will do. Uh, it's it's this city that's bound together, and, and the tribes were uh, supposed to go up to it. It was decreed. This, um, this is what points us to the fact that it was um, these decreed festivals that they had to go up. Um, it was it was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord, to give praise, uh, to remember the mighty acts of God and what he had done. There the thrones <clears throat> for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Uh, this is a this is an important verse, uh, particularly for uh, what we'll see with regard to this psalm in Advent and anticipation. But they gathered not just to remember uh, what God had done, but they, they gathered in anticipation of, of God's judgment against sin and evil and God's restoration of the house of David. God designated Jerusalem as the place where his king would rule, uh, where his uh, right hand man, so to speak, would uh, give justice um, for Israel. Uh, this psalm is a psalm of longing for that. It's probably... Uh, these psalms probably were put together in the time between uh, when Israel returned from exile and then uh, the time that we know as the New Testament time, the, the time of Christ. The, the psalms were actually probably put together in this order uh, during that time. And it's a time that Israel doesn't have a king. They don't have a son of David reigning from Jerusalem. So they gather together at these festivals and they celebrate what God has done, but they're, they're yearning, they're waiting for uh, God to restore the kingdom for God to put David back on the throne and for judgment to be rendered. Uh, they're, they're, they are looking forward to that day. 
Um, and then they, they all exclaim together, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray. Um, this is not simply, uh, you know, pray that things will go well for Jerusalem. This is pray for the shalom of God's kingdom to come. It's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the sentiment here in these verses. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Um, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Uh, so the, the original setting of this um, is is this pilgrimage, this uh, annual pilgrimage to to Jerusalem. And, and you just have all of these pilgrims gathering to the house of the Lord to remember what God has done to retell the stories of the Exodus and the journeys in the wilderness and God's victories and the conquest of the land. Uh, but then also to uh, anticipate the time when his kingdom would come, when he would put David back on the throne and he would give judgment, that he would give justice uh, to his people, that he would fulfill his promises. Uh, this this remembrance and anticipation is exactly why this psalm is placed in Advent. Um, it's perfect for Advent. Advent is a time when we remember the first coming of our Lord. We, an we anticipate the arrival of Christ as a baby. Uh, but we do that in order to anticipate or look forward to his second coming. The first week in Advent, these texts may seem kind of weird. They're all on the theme of the return of Christ, all on the theme of judgment. Um, but we, um, as we await his first arrival, uh, so we look forward to his second coming, to the, the time when, when David will be set on the throne forever, when God's kingdom will in fact come, and when he will give judgment. These psalms have actually been used. Um, I mentioned my church, uh, Rose of Sharon, earlier. Uh, the Psalms of Ascent um, or the pilgrim psalms have actually taken a central role in the, the prayer tradition of the church. Um, if you look at the way uh, monks and monastic orders have laid out their weekly praying of the psalms, the midday hours. So um, that would be for us uh, nine o'clock noon and three o'clock, those three hours, they, they pray the Psalms of Ascent. They pray the Pilgrim Psalms. Um, it's they're, they're kind of Psalms for the journey, Psalms for every day, Psalms for um, getting through, uh, Psalms that help us to remember what God has done and to, to anticipate what he is doing in a, in a regular everyday kind of way, just as for Israel, it was a regular everyday or every year celebration. Um, the, the principle that I want to bring out, though, in this text for us um, and for Advent is that judgment is coming, that there is a day coming when God will, in fact, install his, his son, his Davidic king, back on the throne, when judgment will be rendered, the throne for judgment will be set in Jerusalem, when God's kingdom will in fact come on earth as it is in heaven, as judgment is coming. Uh, we, um, in this season of Advent, we, you know, anticipate Christmas. We anticipate the um, arrival of Jesus as a baby in the manger. Um, and we uh, think of just the, the tenderness and the, the celebration of that moment. But it points us to the fact that he is coming again. 
Uh, and this is this is not a, a fact that's up for debate. God, God will judge the nations. Um, and it is up to us just as we prepare for his arrival. So it is up to us as his people, as the ones who remember and know that he did come it, to prepare the world for judgment, to announce his judgment, to prepare ourselves for judgment. Uh, the, the other texts in the, the lectionary point to this, putting aside the works of darkness and taking on the armor of light in Romans 13 and not not falling asleep, but staying awake in Matthew 24. Uh, judgment is, in fact, coming um, the, the application for us, um, and an application that I think we should really seriously consider is, uh, we, we will have to give an account to this King for everything we've done, uh, whether good or bad. We, we are not, uh, just living right here and right now. It's, it's really easy to get totally caught up in the moment we live in, whether it's the uh, cultural moment or the political moment or the, um, you know, just even our sort of personal times right now, it's, it's very, very easy to get completely wrapped up in right now and to believe that what's happening right now and how I'm reacting to that right now is everything. Uh, this, this text calls us to look beyond right now. It calls us to remember the mighty acts of God like these pilgrims, to remember what God has done, to remember that Jesus did in fact come. The Son of God, Emmanuel, uh, was incarnate among us, that God fulfilled his promise, um, and to anticipate that he will in fact return, to, to know as, as solidly as we know what's going on in the world right now, to know that Jesus will return, that the kingdom of God will come, um, and that judgment uh, will one day take place. Um, we will give an account for everything we have done. Um, so my, my application, my urging for us from this psalm is to, um, to look past right now, to see past what's going on in our moment, and to remember that Christ's arrival in his first coming and his arrival in his second coming are far more significant than anything going on um, today. Uh, our, our remembrance of God's mighty acts and our anticipation uh, and our preparation for that, our preparation of ourselves, our preparation of our church, our preparation of this world for a coming judgment, uh, for a reckoning. Um, you know, you look at the political moment right now and there are all sorts of, of issues of justice and reckoning happen happening. Um, and no matter what we think about that, we should realize that there there is a greater day of reckoning coming. There is a greater day of, of judgment coming. And so uh, we, too, uh, should examine ourselves. We, too, should prepare ourselves and prepare this world Um and announce that, in fact, uh, the thrones for judgment are set up, uh, that the house of David uh, is God's chosen vessel to reign. His kingdom will come. Uh, and in this season of Advent, we, we affirm that, uh, we cling to that, and we say, um, we say, come, Lord Jesus, uh, come and judge, come and reign. Um, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
thank you, Ryan, for what a fantastic study of Psalms 122. I am sure that the people of Rose of Sharon Missionary Baptist Church in Houston are not only proud of that study, but proud of what you have become and done for the Lord. Uh, So thank you so much. Now, let's get ready for our New Testament uh, study uh, by probably my favorite uh, pastor uh, is also my wife. Uh, Pastor Sean Estrada of Mosaic Life Church. Hello, I'm Pastor Sean Estrada with Mosaic Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Today's text comes from Romans 13, 11 through 14, and it says this. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, and not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It's darkest before dawn. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever had had to stay up all night or have you ever tried to pull an all nighter just to see how long you could last? I have and I didn't last most of the time. I remember thinking, will this night ever end? It just kept getting darker and darker. I remember staying over my cousin's house, you know, spending the night and getting a burst of energy and excitement when light began to hit the curtains. And the next morning we would be sitting at the table eating breakfast and bragging about how we didn't think we could make it through the night and making fun of the person that fell asleep and didn't make it through the night. It's always clear to everyone when the morning has arrived. The darker it gets, the closer we are to the dawn. You know, the world right now seems dark, right? No matter what time of day it is. And if we are not careful, we can only see it getting darker and darker. But see, Paul here is sending us a message today in Romans 13. 11 through 14, he's pointing us to our profound promise of hope in darkness. When you are asleep, you are not aware. That's why Paul is encouraging us to wake up. You know, it's funny. Sometimes um, as my kids were growing up, waking them up for school, I would go in and I would say this up, up, up. And they they knew, you know, they still say it up, up, up. And I would have a clear conversation with one of the kids like asking them questions, they respond, I leave because I feel like we just agreed that you are getting up, it's time to get ready for school. I come back in 15 minutes and they're still sleeping. Then I finally wake them up all the way and I say, do do you remember what we just talked about? And they were responding, but they were sleeping. They were having a conversation and being unaware that I came in the room, gave them instructions. They went back to sleep. So therefore, they were not prepared. Verse 12 says, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
Night here represents spiritual darkness, the reign of Satan over the earth. The hope for us is to discern the time and hear Paul saying to know the dawning of day is near. That's a beautiful promise for us, but we have to be ready. We have to be woke. We have to be prepared knowing that we are at war. Saints of God, it's time to wake up and put on a few things and take a few things off that's been making us spiritually exhausted. Paul gives us a list of things to put off, things that cause us to sin and look and act like our old self. He, t- he gives us a few things to put on. He tells us to put on Christ. Do you remember when you were first saved, you first became a believer? Everything in your life changed. And we're still walking in that. We should be walking in that. Right. You know, just like when we put on a new suit and it fits just right, it's tailored to fit us. It's the right colors. We walk in confidence. We walk in joy and we're alert. We don't want to get any stains on it. We want it to be looking nice. That's the same way we feel when we put on Christ. We're full of joy. We're alert to what's going on. We're woke. Now, don't forget to put on the armor of light. Here's a friendly reminder. Again, we are in spiritual war. And friend, darkness cannot withstand your weapons of light. So listen, your instructions for today is this. Wake up spiritually. Know what time it is. And get spiritually dressed. And stay spiritually dressed for battle. My dad always told me this. He would say, Sean, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Live every day with the hope that today could be the day. Y'all, today could be the day. You feel that today could be the day that we've been anxiously waiting for. The return of Christ. I feel the urgency in these scriptures, the alarm to wake up from our spiritual slumber and recognize the time. The scripture says in verse 12, the night is nearly over and the daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The night that's nearly over is talking about Satan's authority over the earth. Just as we anticipate the sun rising every morning is the same anticipation we should feel when reading the daylight is near. Meaning Jesus, the light of the world, is coming again. Just as a bride prepares for her wedding, she she's nervous the night before and eager for the day that she's waited on for so long. The anticipation of walking down the aisle and staring into the eyes of the one she adores. See, the night before, she was nervous. But when it was time, she woke up ready, feeling the urgency to prepare. Everything in her soul said, it is time. And you know what it was time to do? It was time to put on her dress to put on her jewelry, put on her shoes so she could put on her ring. And just like that, it's time for us to be ready. We have to recognize the urgency that's in the air. There's a few things the scripture told us to put on. One was to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to wake up and Make no provision for what the flesh wants because the flesh will lead us to darkness. We also need to put on the armor of light. Of course, you see, Jesus, he's coming again. 
And we should feel that urgency of him coming back in the air. And I hope today that you feel renewed in that anticipation of Jesus coming again. I pray that you feel a renewed sense of anticipation of Jesus because he's the one that we adore. Thank you, Pastor Sean, for such a good word and a reminder to stay awake. All right, now let's hear for our gospel text of Matthew by my friend, Reverend Ted Smith. Our gospel text for this week comes from the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. Matthew writes that Jesus was talking to his disciples in verse 36, but about that day and hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Men. Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. It's important when we're thinking about approaching uh, this particular gospel text and really all gospel texts that we consider uh, the context, that we understand how uh, just what looks like a couple of paragraphs uh, in the scriptures, uh, how that fits into the larger story or narrative that the gospel writer is presenting. So one of the things that Matthew is famous for is long discourses, long conversations uh, between uh, people, uh, larger teaching uh, sessions uh, like the Sermon on the Mount and larger discussions uh, about the church. And, for example, Matthew chapter 16 and chapter 24 of Matthew is just a really long discourse And we know from the first couple of verses of chapter 24 that this is a discussion between Jesus and his disciples. So this is not, uh, although Matthew makes it public, right, in his gospel text, and we all sort of get to listen into what the Lord would say to his disciples. uh, The reality is, is that this was a closed conversation. Uh, This was a conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples And it's really rooted, if you look at Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 1 uh, and 2, it says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his disciples. And so they're all walking together. They're having fellowship together. Uh, They're moving out of the, the temple area. 
when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. And so they're going to turn around and they're going to look and they're going to see all of the magnificent buildings that it is uh, to be uh, the temple, the Temple Mount area in Jerusalem, how how pristine uh, it would have been uh, at that time. And Jesus said in verse 2, do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. This is verse three. Tell us then, they said, uh, two things. So there's two questions. The first is, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of of the age. And so there's two discussions that happens in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 24. Uh, one discussion is about the, the, the time in which uh, the temple will be basically destroyed. Okay. And the secondary uh, question that's answered is about the coming, uh, the second coming of Christ. And so our passage, uh, the, the couple of paragraphs that we're focused in on in our gospel reading this week are part of, uh, if you have a, a heading in your Bible, it probably says something like the day and hour unknown or something like that. And uh, it is the Lord's way of communicating uh, what's going to happen in reference to his second coming. So this is very much what's called an apocalyptic uh, text. And it's a little scary, quite frankly, uh, I think for most readers to think about the end of the world or the second coming of Christ. Or uh, sometimes we've, we in our histories, uh, we've seen movies about the second coming or the end of the world, and none of it seems uh, very uh, wonderful to us. So how do we approach this passage? How do we teach and preach uh, messages of hope, messages of inspiration, messages that, that will clearly uh, help someone in their discipleship to draw closer to the Lord and to have deeper fellowship with the Lord and with each other? Well, I think there's three different ways that we can approach the text. The first way, we're, we're always interested in, okay, how would the original audience uh, had uh, have understood uh, this passage. So clearly, uh, it, it's so interesting that for us, as we read the text 2,000 some years removed, we have to do a whole lot of historical cultural context work and be reminded of stories uh, that Jesus' disciples uh, would not need to be reminded of. And so uh, the suggestion, by the way, uh, just about Noah and the main illustration being Noah uh, and then the shifting uh, from Noah into this sort of uh, a rapture, uh, if you will, um, idea that a time's going to come when when I'm going to come and and one person will be taken, the other person won't be taken and those kinds of ideas. Most of uh, the personalities of the New Testament believe that the second coming of Christ would happen much sooner. Uh, than in reality. And I think sometimes we may struggle with that too as modern readers. So keep these things in the back in the back of your mind. Always be mindful of what might jump out of the text and scare people or, or what needs to be um, broken down and, and re-communicated. So there's really three principles uh, that I think are underscored in this biblical passage. So if I were thinking about how am I going to teach this or how am I going to preach this, one way of doing that might, might be to underscore three principles, and I'll couch it this way, hearing the word of the Lord, 
heeding the word of the Lord and becoming a herald of the word of the Lord. Now, the first two, hearing the word of the Lord and heeding the word of the Lord, are clearly evidenced in the text. And so the problem with the Noah uh, illustration or or the problem with the community, you know, Noah uh, built the ark, I think, somewhere in the ballpark of 120 years, depending on what Bible scholar you read. There's some controversy there, but the scripture clearly says that it was 120 years, uh, period. Uh, of Noah's ministry, and much of that was building the ark. And the, the challenge was is that the people were not hearing the message. Noah was a preacher. He was a preacher of righteousness. He was he was of clear uh, with the people that they needed to hear from the Lord. That that repentance was necessary. He w- he was a preacher of righteousness is is what he's referred to by Peter and other writers. And so the importance of hearing the word of the Lord, and then clearly the importance of hearing Heeding the word of the Lord. It's not enough to simply be a hearer of the word, as James would say, right? But to be a doer of the word. And so we have these two ideas, I think, underscored in the text pretty clearly that it's important that people hear the word of the Lord and that they hear the, the word that the Lord is actually teaching in this passage, that they would be people of preparedness, that they wouldn't be surprised. Uh, by the activities of the Lord. It, it doesn't matter how long uh, it takes the Lord to return, that there is a readiness, there is a preparedness uh, on the part of God's people. And so hearing this message as a disciple, that would be one of the big takeaways. Hey, I want to hear this clearly, and then I want to heed this clearly. I want to be expectant of the Lord. I, I want to be clear that, that the day is going to come when the Lord will return, and I want to be prepared. And so as you think about a sort of uh, their world and you think about the, the big principles here, that all leads to application. What should we do with a passage like this as modern day followers of Christ? Well, one, we also want to hear the word of the Lord and we want to heed the word of the Lord. We want to be prepared. We want to receive the message. We want to be ready uh, for the Lord to return. But a good application point for the church today is that we need to be a herald or a proclaimer or a preacher of the word of the Lord. And that is to get this message out to help those that we are in relationship with come into saving relationship with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ and be prepared for the day and hour of which no one knows. All right. Great word, Ted. I want to be ready. All right, last but not least, I am excited to introduce you to Pastor Les Taylor and his wife, Margaret, who are just planting a new Christ of Victor church. It is Mosaic Life Fellowship Church in Dallas, Texas. All right, let's hear from the Taylors. My name is Les Taylor, Jr., uh, affectionately known as Brother Les. And we are excited about the ministry that we are about to undertake. Uh, We're excited about God leading us in uh, uh, breaking forth a ministry in the community, in the urban community of Dallas, downtown Dallas, in fact. And so we're excited about sharing the importance of of, uh, making, of uh, sharing Christ to know him and to make him known 
after you know him. We're excited about making disciples and making disciple makers out of those disciples. We want to connect the, uh, the relationship with Christ Jesus uh, with everyone experiencing uh, forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation, which will result in healing. And so we are concerned about the satanic darkness that the community is going through in the urban community. Uh, for sure, uh, there's violence, there's drug addiction, there's gangs, all sorts of evils. And so uh, we know our work is cut out for us as we try to impact the community community with compassionate ministries. Uh, we know we're dealing with sin and evil that has been allowed to take the deep roots in people's hearts and lives and homes and families. But we are preparing for God to use us to address those needs in the community. And uh, we want to continue living the, uh, the mission of the Christ Victor Church, which is living the victory of Jesus and seeking to advance the kingdom of God while standing on the ancient faith. We know we cannot solve all the problems, but we can do our part, allowing God to use us in the community. That's great, Brother Les. Can you tell me what challenges you can foresee? Maintaining continuity with people from all walks of life because there are cultural differences, there are ethnic differences, and we we believe by making sure that uh, we are Bible-based and Christ-centered and faith-focused and mission-minded um, that we can meet those challenges. Is there anything that you're afraid of or that scares you? In the back of my mind is, maintaining the stamina to follow through because there are a lot of issues that come your way when you are the shepherd and then balancing everything on a weekly basis and a monthly basis. I tell people all the time, ministry is 52 weeks is hard work. And so no matter how you start out balancing everything at some point, you can get through it off. And so, that's, that's what's scary in the, in the back of my mind. It is in my mindset, God first, wife and family second, ministry third. And it's my prayer that I can continue that from January through December. Of course, sometimes you, you get thrown off. And so if it happens to me, I'm hoping that I can, you know, recover from that before it gets out of hand. So how will you care for your own soul? That's a very good question. For one, as I was sharing with, uh, with with my spouse, my lovely wife, the better half, we we accidentally we accidentally had to stay in in the hotel a couple of days because of water damage here in our home, and that that was a blessing. So I said, you know what, we need to do this uh, one weekend uh, a month uh, for us to stay in contact with each other, connection with each other, and and. Uh, doing our own self-care for one another. That's one way. And then for myself personally, I enjoy going to the library and reading. Uh, I enjoy going to the uh, uh, music store, Guitar Center, and just learning the new equipment, the new things that they are introducing. 
and I enjoy uh, visiting uh, my dad and family members. That, that's for good rest and rec- recreation. It's very important to maintain your personal devotion, your daily personal devotion, because there will be days when you have questions uh, in your spirit. There will be days when it looks like uh, the plans that you have presented to God, one day it's looking, it's all coming together, and then the next day it falls apart. So uh, having maintaining your personal devotion with God, your prayer life, uh, having a quiet time, and having a uh, retreat once or twice a year so that you can uh, reload and, and re, re, rejuvenate yourself and reconnect with, uh, with the vision God has given you. That's great advice, Les. Margaret, what advice do you have for people in ministry? Wow. Um, know why you're going into ministry. Um, it's, and know, uh, first of all, you have to really know who you are in God. You have to know that uh, I have a heart for God's people. That's the one thing uh, I would say, first and foremost. And um, you have to look at yourself and and tell yourself some real truths. People are people. Um, And then there's people that are people of God. And all of us, because we're human, are fallible. So we don't look for perfection in anybody. And then know uh, what your uh, strengths are and your weaknesses. And if it's something you just can't do, and I say this is my uh, philosophy, work on the things or strengthen your strength. And if you know if it's a weakness, don't do that. If God is not calling you to do that. But more than anything, have a heart for God's people. And um, be able to love them in spite of, that's um, a strong point for me, to love on people, to love on people where they are. Fantastic advice from both of you. Finally, would you please pray? Pray for not only your church, but also pray for the Christ the Victor church plant movement. Father God, um, I come to you right now asking that you would search my heart. And if you find anything that would hinder my prayer, God, I pray that you would just not only reveal it to me so that I could um, repent of that, but you'd hear my prayer as I pray for Mosaic Church. The ministers there, every member there, and even those that are to come there, God, I pray that you would give us through your word wisdom of how to have a whole, uh, how to have a healthy church. Give us to be faithful, God, in our serving you. And all that we do, we do it to bring you glory, God. We pray for everything that we will need to um, father the kingdom of God for your glory and mosaic life. God. Father God, we just thank you right now for this time and for this moment. 
Uh, it's a privilege to be able to come to you in prayer, Lord. We specifically lift up to you the Christ of Victor Churches. It is a movement, Lord, and we pray for them, for the local churches and the global churches universally. Um, Father, we pray that they will not lose heart in battling satanic darkness and the dominion of darkness, Lord. Uh, it's uh, We're dealing with darkness all over the world. And so we pray, Lord, that they will not give up in introducing Christ Jesus wherever they are and hoping that the people they are ministering to will know Christ Jesus in the pardon of their sin, and then they will turn around to make him known to their family and friends. We pray, Lord, for all the difficulties and adversities that uh, Christ for the Victor Churches are facing uh, locally and globally, uh, poverty, uh, gangs, Lord, uh, drugs, drugs, Lord, uh, even judicial issues of Heavenly Father. There is the reality of the hopelessness of the urban community and as well as the powerlessness of the urban community, Lord. Some of them feel trapped. Some of them feel overwhelmed um, by the crushing weight of not being able to come out of poverty. And so, Lord, it, it is... The Christ, the Victor Church, that you want us to, we want to be used, Lord, to help them to have hope to find a way of escaping that through Christ Jesus. And so we plead the blood of Christ uh, that they will be set free from bondage uh, through the blood of Jesus. We we declare, Lord, uh, the message of real hope through Christ Jesus that will empower them to become great stewards and great servants in God's kingdom. And so, Lord, we uh, pray that you would help all of us to uh, challenge the roots, the deep root of sin in men's hearts, in the hearts of families, uh, that domain of darkness that's going unchallenged, Lord. Help us to be the shining light. And in closing, Lord, in Christ for the victory church, Live the victory of Jesus. We seek to advance the kingdom of God, and we will stand on the ancient faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, thank you for joining us for the Urban Shepherds podcast. I hope this has been an encouragement to you, whether you are studying God's word through the lectionary text or preparing for Advent week one sermon. Join us each week as we hear from leaders all over the country on these texts. And don't forget to subscribe. We will let you know everything that's coming up. And I just want to say God bless you in the city.